Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now you know me, Justin. I'm relatively well-traveled, having spent a fair amount of time abroad recently. So that's meant accessing the content I want to watch has been difficult. But don't fear, Justin, because there's a solution. What's the solution? It's a handy tool called NordVPN. What's NordVPN, Ryan? Justin, NordVPN is a cyber Swiss army knife with plenty of features and benefits. Firstly, being able to access streaming services from different countries by changing your virtual location at the push of a button, giving you access to so much more content. It means missing sporting events, not being able to watch your favourite shows or films. It's a thing of the past. Better yet, it doesn't just stop at football. So you're telling me it just gives me access to different content? Absolutely not. There's so much more. You can save money, for example, by scouring different flights from different virtual locations, giving you the best deals possible. Better yet, you can do this by purchasing different subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. This is all knowing you're accessing a service that was named in Times Magazine's Best Inventions for 2022. So what are you waiting for? Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash second tier to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan. Plus a bonus gift. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. It's the equivalent to buying a cup of coffee every month, a small price to pay for premium cybersecurity and access to vast amounts of entertaining content. Welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the Good Friday to my Great Friday. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, it's that time of the year where we're extraordinarily busy with this particular podcast. I've worked it out over the next seven days, listener. You'll be getting four podcasts. How bloody lucky are you? But it's a lot of work for me and Justin. (laughs) Yeah, we apologise in advance. Yeah, no, it's you get four day weeks. Everyone gets four day weeks because of the bank holidays, but we we miss out. Sadly, it's a, it's a great shame for us, but a great privilege for our listeners. Of course, it is. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that, but it absolutely is. Well, speak for yourself. I've had this week off, so I'm making the most of it. And oh, then right. you know, <laughs> over the week, over the Easter weekends, we're we're only actually recording for one day on the Easter weekend because the Monday games will be recording on Tuesday. So, yeah, it is a bit chaotic for us. But in terms of football, got loads of action for us to talk about, haven't we? And I tell you what, it's a huge weekend for some teams, isn't it? Anyway, it's it's, it's a massive weekend for every team. It's the business end of the season, Ryan. Every game is important. But given that it's... um the Easter weekend and you've got two games within within four days of each other, it's massive. And you just look at some of the fixtures down there, it's it's absolutely monumental. I mean you've got some some games that could spring up some, some surprises as well. I'm not gonna not gonna give anything away just in case 
you've picked yours and I've picked mine. We don't want to we don't want to spoil it for the listener. But yeah, I mean, Luton Mill was a big one, for example. Yeah, I, I don't think you can underestimate any any impact of any game this this weekend because, as I say, chance to get six points in four days is, is massive for a lot of teams. Shall we chat about some of them? Welcome to the number one championship podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, we're going to look ahead to some of the big games coming up on Good Friday. Me and Justin will each make our predictions on which teams we think are bankers, which could be somewhat of an outsider to win. And we'll also have a look at our big game of the weekend in the championship. Talk about some of the news from the past few days. Plenty that's been kicking off over the past few days, including Reading's points deduction finally coming through. And then we'll finish off with another round of Diddy or Didn't He right at the end. So in each preview episode of the second tier, Justin and I each pick a team we think is guaranteed to win in the championship this coming weekend. And I've now rebranded this, Justin, and we also pick an outsider to win um, because the biggest upset in the championship each weekend is how how do you judge that you know so an outsider mm. is a better way of branding it I think but we'll talk about your banker first Justin who is your big banker of the weekend in the championship well on Good Friday in the championship <laughs> well, I mean it's still the weekend so we'll, we'll count it but I've gone with Preston yeah. to beat QPR mm. um, now again there'll be a lot of people thinking well the form table tells you I mean I've been stung by the form table Nine times out of ten doing these, so I'm not going to take that as a as a guarantee. But if we just talk about the, the, the variables here for a moment, Preston's confidence is going to be sky high after the Derby win. Can go one of two ways. They can either be become complacent or they can build upon it. They failed to build upon that Derby win against Blackburn earlier on in, well, in December. They lost the next three games. Coincidentally, one of those defeats came against QPR, um, which is one of their only wins in, in well since uh, October, um, which is which is quite incredible. Um, but couple that uh, uh, with uh, an informed Tom Cannon, who's having a similar impact to that of Cameron Archer, albeit not as prolific. He's got three in his last four, so he's he's a confident boy. Um, and they they just their confidence is high. Their confidence is high. They're going to want to build upon it. And Ryan is going to want to finish the season as strongly as possible because he's coming for some criticism so far. And they will see this as a winnable game because of QPR's form at the moment. I'm going to mention their defence as well, just quickly. Um, aside from the Borough drubbing before the international break, they've conceded eight in the last nine, but four of those came against Middlesbrough. That's a very good defensive record. It's a very tidy defensive record, and they've also got four clean sheets in that time. So this press side are banging form, and they're going up against a QPR team who, well, one of well, the worst team in the league at the moment, quite simply. So you got to say on QPR? Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. There's not much else to add to it, is it, really? They're terrible. I thought we'd get a bit more depth in that uh, in that analysis of QPR, but fair enough. You spot on the money. Um, yeah, I, I was very amazed to see. Um, obviously, this isn't a betting podcast, but that Preston were the outsiders for this game with all the bookies and were around two to one, which I just cannot get my head around at all because QPR are really struggling right now. Um, it, they're having arguably the biggest collapse we've ever seen from a championship side and it's one of the main reasons why currently they're the team outside the bottom three who are most likely to go down and considering Preston's impressive form recently I'm not sure how long that impressive form is going to last but I can't see it being stopped by QPR who just cannot seem well they're just terrible at the back they've got no seeming planned when it comes to going forwards there were big, big problems at QPR. And yeah. it, it, 
it, it may it may come to a stop at some point, but I'm struggling to see when that is because right now they look miles off it. And my banker of the weekend is West Brom to beat Rotherham at the New York Stadium in the early kickoff on Good Friday. Now West Brom need to get points on the board. They're five points behind Blackburn and Millwall. They do have a game in hand on Millwall. Whatever the case, if West Brom are going to get a playoff place, this is the kind of game they will be looking to win. They have been inconsistent in the last couple of months. They've beaten the likes of Middlesbrough and Coventry, but they're also one of the few teams to lose to Watford since the World Cup, and they've also lost to Birmingham and Hull. They are unbeaten in four, and it's time for them to move through the gears to turn draws into wins, just like they were around winter time. I mean, they've got the players to do it. I'd like to see more from the likes of Margot Brighton and Brandon Thomas-Asante, who haven't impressed me in recent weeks, but Jed Wallace is a constant menace on the right. One of the best players in the division, we all know that. John Swift creating chances in the middle. Okai Yakuzlu dominating midfield and a defence which is really difficult to break down. And they are a better side than Rotherham who have been struggling recently. They were fortunate against Hull at the weekend. Probably would have lost if it wasn't for Domingos Quino sacrificing himself when committing a foul on the edge of the box as the last man. But Hull missed some great chances as well. They were also really poor in the first half against Cardiff before it got postponed a couple of weeks ago. Lost the two games prior to that as well. So West Brom obviously have a lot more quality than West Brom and need to make it show, which is why I'm thinking West Brom will make this a three-pointer for them. What do you think, Justin? I'm going to disagree with you entirely. I'm actually surprised. Shock. Just impeach. Just (laughs) impeach disagreeing with me on my banker. How many times have you disagreed with me, Justin, and been proven completely wrong? Well, I mean, do we keep track of these? I don't think we do. Um, well, I so, I have. I've only got two bankers wrong this season. That's complete nonsense. That oh, complete nonsense. you can go back and listen to it yourself, mate, because <laughs> it's true. Anyway, I, I, the reason why I'm going to dis- disagree with you here is because of Rotherham at home for stars, which is a, a good uh, a good omen for for them. They are a good side at home as long as it doesn't rain heavily. Um, they'll be they'll you know, they'll give West Brom a very good game. But Rotherham's record against teams competing in and around the playoffs, or competing for promotion, is actually very good. If we're, just talk, if we're just looking at the turn of the year, they've got results against Blackburn, Watford, Sheffield United, Sunderland, um, and yeah, I mean that's what I can see so far. So it's, it, they've got they've got good record against those teams um, pushing for the playoffs or pushing for a promotion. So I think it's going to be an uncomfortable game. And then you add in the Jordan Hugel factor as well, who's probably going to get pelters from the uh, the baggy supporters. He's going to want to prove something as well. So yeah, I'm going to lean towards a Rotherham result here. I'm not amazed at all that you are disagreeing with me on my banker because you always just seem to do it for whatever reason. It's just purely out of spite, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Um, My outsider to win in the championship this weekend is Luton to win away at Millwall in the other early kickoff on Good Friday. Now, Luton's success this season just keeps going from strength to strength. Fourth in the championship, now level on points with Middlesbrough, who are third, and six points off the top two don't think we can completely rule that out just yet but still an outside shot admittedly Uh, but no championship team has picked up more points in 2023 than Luton Town and they've just come off the back of a big derby day win against their big rivals Watford which they absolutely dominated at no point did they look like they weren't going to win that game they're on a massive high and are one of the teams you'd least want to face right now they also have the third most points away from home this season and that's very good news for their trip to the den Millwall at home is one of the most difficult games a team will have to play in the championship this season but 
the last few home results haven't been great. They lost to a Huddersfield side who had only just won once this calendar year prior to that game. They did beat Swansea, although they were a bit fortunate in that one. And they were also the last team to lose to Norwich, who, as we know, aren't having a great time right now. So not the greatest last few performances at home for Millwall, who will need to up their game against a red-hot Luton Town, especially if they want to maintain their respective playoff push. Also worth mentioning, and I think this is a really big factor, Millwall's main weapon this season has been their brilliance from set pieces. 22 goals scored from them by far the most in the championship. The problem with that is no team has conceded fewer goals from set pieces this season than Luton. They are brilliant at defending set pieces. And that's a problem for Gary Rowett's side, who can sometimes find themselves to be a bit blunt from open play, but get themselves out of jail when it comes to set pieces. However, they may struggle to find that the case might may struggle to find that being the case against Luton Town. So that's why I'm going for a Luton win at the Den this weekend. Or this Friday. Surprise. I keep saying this weekend, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's the weekend. It's technically the weekend. Friday yeah, the I weekend. suppose it is. Easter weekend. I should just say that, yeah. shouldn't I? Um, yeah, so, so Luton is your uh, surprise result or uh, outsider result for the weekend, right? Yes. So every single stack there should have them as heavy favourites. But you obviously, you, you do it slightly differently where you... Well, I look at the bookies, the bookies. Yeah. yeah. That's what I mean. I, I mean... Mine's a subjective thing, but... Well, I mean, I think... heavy favourites is just complete nonsense. Favourites, maybe, but heavy mm. favourites. This is how the bookies work, Justin. They they don't always go with how your mind thinks, and that's why sometimes you should just bet on them. That's, well, I think they should do. I think me dictating what the bookies, uh, how the bookies set up their odds over the next 12 months, I think I think would be a good idea, a good plan for them. It would be absolute chaos. And some, I'd be some absolutely would be very... loaded if that was the case. <laughs> yeah, you would. I mean, I can't I can't dictate the outcome of the games, but I, I do agree with you. I think Luton going to Millwall and getting result would be a massive, massive surprise in the sense that it's Millwall. But then again, Luton's away form is incredible. Um and the statistics stack up against Millwall in that sense. So, yeah, it's hard to see anything other than uh, other than a Luton result there, judging on what you what you said. But it's Millwall; you can't can't rule anything out. Um, my surprise result is going to be Huddersfield to beat Watford. That Ooh. is yes, that's a tasty one. Um, I've got I've tried I tried to go away from sort of the statistical element here, and I, I'm going with more of a, well the the element that backs up a Neil Warnock side more so than anything else and that is hard work graft and effing dying for three points um because i think and i know it's a bit of a joke um but i think that's going to really help huddersfield in this case compared to that of a watford team whose uh mentality has been questioned openly by their head coach um so as i say the the reason why i mean i'm going to have this down as a surprise is because of the difference in squads budget places in the league um as I say, the player, the players available is you know the, the wealth of talent Watford have is incredible. But the key factor, as I say, swinging towards Huddersfield here is drive, aggression, and that want to run to through want to run through brick walls to get results. I don't think Watford are going to be able to match that. I don't think Watford are going to be able to match that intensity. I think they're going to freeze. Um, uh, yeah, for example, if you can't get your players motivated for a local derby against Luton, if you can't get them motivated for that. How on earth are you going to get them motivated for a home game against Huddersfield? That's not a disrespect to Huddersfield. It's just a bit of a nothing game in, in that sense. It doesn't mean as much to them as, as a derby, derby game would against Luton. So 
I just can't see Huddersfield not picking something up here. It's going to be an important game for them. They're going to build upon a really good run of form that Warnock's put together. I am actually quite confident that Huddersfield could get something. But saying that, I was confident, very confident that Middlesbrough would, would beat Huddersfield. And look how that ended up. Yeah, a big hello to all the Huddersfield fans pointing out that you thought they were going to lose last weekend because I'm sure they're still very bitter about that considering what I saw in the <laughs> quote tweets from um, that particular prediction last weekend. Now it's time for our game of the week. We were going to go for Middlesbrough v Burnley, which seems like a fairly obvious one, doesn't it? But after results last week, Borough probably aren't going up automatically now and Burnley almost definitely won't break the points record. So... While it is two of the best teams playing each other, it's not as big as a game as it could have been. There's not as much on the line as there is no. elsewhere in the division, is there? So instead, let's discuss a huge game in the relegation battle. Blackpool v Cardiff at Bloomfield Road on Saturday afternoon. Of course, a meeting of Mick McCarthy's current and former clubs. Uh, Blackpool are a strange side, aren't they? They've lost five of their last seven games, which is obviously bad. However, the games they didn't lose, they beat QPR 6-1. And Drew with Burnley. So they can be very good, but we're just not seeing it enough. Consistency is the key thing, isn't it, in the Championship? It's what you'll hear us say almost every other week. It's what you'll hear a lot of managers say as well. And they've not been able to, Blackpool haven't been able to develop any sort of consistency throughout the season, whether that be consistency in performances or results. Nothing has happened for them in, in, in that respect. And as you know, you've only got to look at Jerry Yates, for example, who was very prolific for October, I think. Um, and then he dropped off and he started to get back amongst the goals again. Not one player can stand up and say they've they've been a consistent outfit for Blackpool this season. That's been the one thing that's let them down. And I think you're going into this Cardiff team where they have picked up consistency, where their performances have improved. They have got more players in form. It's going to be a really tough game. And as you say, those two anomaly results are anomalies because they've just not been able to repeat them or get anywhere near them at all. Well, I look at Cardiff and wonder where their heads will be at after last weekend, conceding a 99th minute winner against your big rivals. It's undoubtedly going to hit morale and that's definitely been the case in the fan base. Our friends at the View from the Ninian podcast were very downbeat after that weekend game. Um, Cardiff need points on the board though, as I was saying last week. They are being overlooked a bit in this relegation battle, I feel. One win in five, 21st in the championship and level on points with Huddersfield now, who are in the bottom three, of course. So a loss here could be a catastrophic result. With that being said, Justin, what result are you going for in this big clash? I'm thinking Cardiff are going to win here. They've got Cabo, who's got three in his last four. Isaac Davis got some minutes in midweek, so he could be involved. Jaden Filigin is putting in some terrific performances under Sabri Lamushi. And they're clicking way more than Blackpool have been under under McCarthy. So, for that reason, I, yeah, I do fancy I do fancy a Cardiff result. Um, that being said, they've Blackpool have got some obvious threats that are gonna um, that are gonna exploit Cardiff. Yeah, for example, pacing behind is going to be a bit of an issue. But I like Lamushi. I think he's a good tactician. I'm thinking it's going to be a close game, probably a one nil. I like a clean sheet, um, and yeah, it's going to be important for Cardiff. So yeah, one nil Cardiff, I think. I struggle to separate these two sides. Both desperately need a win and both are struggling. Both are quite blunt as well. Neither are the greatest going forwards, which is why I'm struggling to see 
anything more than three goals in this game. Cardiff's drop-off in results seems to have coincided with Callum Robinson's injury and at the time of recording it looks as if he'll be missing for this one. He's a very influential player for them and I have been impressed with Sorry Cabba, uh, Blackpool a week down the wings as well so that would be something I'd be looking to exploit from a Cardiff perspective. However, if I had to choose a winner, I'd probably edge towards Blackpool. Cardiff have lost six out of their last seven away games since the turn of year, turn of the year. Whereas Blackpool's home record since the turn of the year, actually quite good. Just the one loss in eight games. So I think that's down to the support. The home crowd is going mm. to be massive for Blackpool. They've pushed the team some big results in recent weeks and have been excellent. And I'll expect the same again here. So as long as the Blackpool... Uh, home fans are in good voice again here then they could very well help their team to a massive massive result so I'm edging more towards Blackpool than I am Cardiff I've got to say Justin let's take a quick break after that we'll talk about some of the news from the past few days including the latest on Reading's points deduction to the Second Tier Podcast. And now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news. And Reading have been deducted six points by the EFL for breaching the terms of an agreed business plan for a previous profit and sustainability rule breach. We knew this was coming, Justin, so not a surprise at all. Don't know why it took so long, but here we are. The head of football operations, Mark Bowen, put out a big, long, open letter on Tuesday afternoon explaining why they got the deduction. Usually I'd look at something like that and go, yeah, I'm not reading that. But it was quite interesting him explaining the restrictions they're under. They essentially have one arm tied behind their back while... The other has been gnawed at by a rabid dog. I remember, I recommend giving it a read, even if you're just a neutral, because it does drive home how it's a bit of a minor miracle that Reading are outside the bottom three, even with a points deduction. Anyway, the long and short of it seems to be that they followed all the business plan agreed with the FL. Where they apparently fell short was with regard to player sales, which isn't too surprising because there aren't really many sellable assets in this Reading squad. Mm -hmm. They can't force clubs to buy their players, especially their ageing players. So it sounds like it was always going to be very difficult to meet those requirements. What have you got to say on the points deduction finally happening, Justin? Uh, Well, I think, I I mean, what did I say two or three weeks ago when we expected it to happen? I think I said that it's it's going to be a good thing. It's going to lift uh, lift the players, galvanise the players, and hopefully lead to that siege mentality. I think the time that's passed, I don't know if that's going to be the case now, just because you know they, they've dropped off massively. They've dropped off massively. And I don't think um, the, the leaderboards, just, well, the league table's been updated just yet, but they're going to be on 40 points, aren't they? So it's going to be, it's going to be a interesting few few weeks for, for Reading. But I think with Reading breaching the, the plan, and, uh, I mean, maybe it's slightly harsh, but those those are the rules. It's, that's the case. Um, they, they've got to... They've got to uh, just, just go with it, and I think with player sales, they, they might have been expecting to to get bids in for Lucas Shaw, for Liam Moore, um, players like that, the, the high earners, which I imagine getting them off the books would have been a massive, massive help to to them getting over the line with the, with the business plan and not breaching any any rules. Um, it's just 
disappointing that that's been the case. Obviously, if they, they couldn't fulfil that, they should have made that very clear or accepted accepted whatever bid comes in because they've not really utilised Lucas Schaub very often this season and Liam Moore's been injured for, for a lot. Um, so, yeah, disappointing, obviously, but I think Reading, I think they can use it as a positive and try and, and, try and go again because, as I say, it's it's one of those situations that um, they used it last season to, to good effect and it's just whether or not Paul Ince has got enough credit in the bank with the with the players um, because, as I say, the style of football is not great and they're not getting results either. Yeah, well, maybe now that it's officially happened, it's finally something they don't have to worry about when it's going to happen. It may start some sort of siege mentality. I mean, we've, we've got to remember in the last few games of last season, Reading looked a different side, didn't they? They really, really picked up. And that's ultimately what saw them over the line when it, with regards to staying up. So it may very well happen again at the, at the time of speaking the table is all right. It could have been a lot worse with a six-point deduction. They could be in the bottom three, but having that point cushion and the fact that there are teams playing worse than Reading. I mean, Reading aren't playing great right now, but there are definitely teams playing worse than Reading. So it's they're, they're in a good, good-ish position. And all they need to do is just kind of turn around how results have been going recently. And they should be all right. And I'm still thinking other teams are more likely than Reading right now. So only time will tell really on whether they actually do stay up. But going back to the open letter, Mark Bowen said, we are very confident that this six point penalty is the last of our medicine and we will now be allowed to come out of the embargo and be able to trade again in the summer. We must still be sensible. We will still be given a budget to stick to, but we have earned their trust to operate wisely. Last summer, we had so many different hoops to jump through to be able to get anything done. This summer, will be different so that's good news from a Reading perspective and it means the shackles will be short will be firmly off in the summer depending on what division they're in uh, television coverage of the EFL looks set to stay on Sky Sports after it was named as the preferred bidder for 2024 onwards the league said it had completed a full and comprehensive review of invitation to tender bids it added it would now enter into an exclusive month-long negotiating period with Sky there had reportedly been plenty of interest in the broadcasting from the likes of Apple, BT Sport, Viaplay and of course DAZN who were said to be very keen to broadcast every EFL game scrapping the 3pm blackout. Uh, what have you made of this news Justin? I was, I was a bit disappointed in the sense that it would have been nice to see more exposure to a subscription based platform. I know the argument for a lot of supporters is well it's another subscription that we'd have to pay for but for example I'd be saving money on my Sky bill that would go into a, a an online subscription to someone like Disown or Netflix, for example. So it's not the end of the world in that case. And it, you know, it'll be very similar for quite a few people as well. Um, but I think that exposure to a, to a different audience, a subscription-based audience, the flexibility to not be tied into a contract, um, there are a lot of positives to it. So yeah, I was, I was slightly disappointed. Obviously, we don't know the extent of the bids. We don't even know if Disown submitted their bid, for example. It might have just been speculation. Um, but that being said, everyone's seen the impact that Netflix has had on uh, Formula One and golf. I mean, I hate golf, but I watched the documentary series Full Swing and I actually made me really want to get on a uh, putting green uh, <laughs> well, golf course, that's the one. <laughs> so, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's, I mean, I clearly didn't pay attention to it enough. Um, but it's, it has that sort of impact on a lot of people, even the, the Prime series for um, All or Nothing. You know, it, it just gives you different view of things and I think there's a lot of potential for the championship 
a lot of potential, a lot of potential to reach a global audience. It's the fifth biggest league in Europe or fourth biggest league in Europe. I can't remember which one it is now. I don't know if it's changed recently, but there's a lot of potential and I just don't think it's been tapped into enough. But that being said, Sky's a very safe bet for the EFL, so that's probably what they've gone with. Well, I remember a few years ago when there was a group of championship clubs who were unhappy that the EFL weren't doing more to kind of expand themselves because they were saying that there's a lot there's a lot of potential with the football league yeah. to you know um, really go further with in terms of how much money it's making and you know really expose itself more to a wider audience and maybe that's something the EFL needs to improve on i think it's interesting that they've gone back with sky because i think sky will have had to fork out a lot more money than they would have had to before because of the increased interest. It would have been very interesting to see what the likes of Apple, maybe Netflix or DAZN would have been like um, because it does seem more and more like the 3pm blackout is going to be scrapped at some point. So maybe from 2024 onwards, Sky will broadcast every EFL game. And I know at the moment you've got the red button option, haven't you? So that may be something that does happen after the next couple of seasons. So maybe they will, you know, be a bit different to how they have been previously. But yeah, it would have been very interesting to see what it would have been like with any of the other providers. But, you know, we'll just have to wait and see, I suppose. And what do you think of the 3pm blackout potentially being scrapped out of interest, Justin? And I think it's, as I say, I think it's something that's rather inevitable. I think it is as well. I think we had this, we had a brief conversation on it um, at some point this season where I think we managed to disagree, but I think you've come around to my way of thinking a little bit in a sense. I, I'm sure we disagree. I've, I've always, no, I've always oh, okay. been for the blackout. I think, I think if anything, you were against it. I can't remember now. I, I, I'm pretty certain I've been against it. Anyway, I'm, I'm against the blackout. I, I'm against the blackout. Yeah, I think the 3pm blackout should be not scrapped, but it just doesn't make sense. It's something that's been there from the 60s where attendances were probably more of the lifeblood for um, for football clubs but as well as that I think it will it, it will push clubs to do a lot more to get supporters in whether that be reduced ticket prices I mean I'm a Derby supporter everyone knows that Burton fans have got to pay 29 quid to go and watch Burton Derby in League One it's horrendous and there's there's so many more aspects because because they're high category games they're going to get charged more so hopefully a you know bigger uh, a bigger piece of the pie so uh, as, as it may from um from coverage will will lead to the uh, football clubs reducing their prices I think, it's, I think it's a positive as well as that i think football clubs will need to do a lot more to to make that experience good uh, you know, a match day experience good yeah i look at i followed the stoke city supporters issues with trying to improve their match day experience and they've been going through a lot and they finally come out at the other end of it um so that's that's been an interesting development. But as I say, I think clubs can do a lot more to to engage supporters on match days. I don't think they do enough. Um, so there's a lot of that as well. I think a lot of the the po- positives of it have been covered. And as I say, it's something that's been in place since the 60s. I don't eat spam anymore. Oh, I've never eaten spam. I've never eaten um, dandelion. I've drunk dandelion burdock. You know, things that are popular in the 60s that aren't necessarily popping out. 60 years ago, times passed. Let's move on. Let's try something else. How on earth did you end up getting onto Spam and Dandelion and Burdock from talking about the 3pm blackout? It's just 60s. It's completely different time this is, period. This is a classic case of Michael Scott. Sometimes I start a <laughs> sentence and I don't know where it's going to go. I just hope I pick it up at the end. Um, 
Getting back to the 3pm blackout, I don't have an issue with it being scrapped. The FA, the FA and EFL are facing more demand for accessibility to watch these games. So it only seems like a matter of time. And at the end of the day, money talks. I think it's a good thing that you'll be able to watch every game of your team from the comfort of your living room. I don't see how that's a bad thing, especially if you struggle to get to games. Now, people will, will say it will affect attendances, but if people really want to a game, want to go to a game, they still can. I think the the, the the vast majority of people who regularly go to their club's games will still go to them. And also, as you quite rightly say, it will make clubs lower their ticket prices for games. I mean, you were talking about Derby County a second ago. It was £33 for their game against Ipswich at the weekend in League One, which is ridiculous. And I'm sure there have been plenty of games in the Championship this season that have been 30 quid, maybe even 40 quid at some point. So that may sway them to do more on that respect as well. So I don't see an issue with the 3pm blackout being scrapped. And also it will expose the Championship and the rest of the Football League to a wider audience, which is Mm -hmm. obviously a good thing as well. And if it gets casual fans to casual football fans to look at the EFL and go, wow, this league is is very interesting. There's a lot of life and death involved in this league. Then it may attract people from abroad as well. So I I don't see any bad reason, uh, any reason for it staying around at this point. I think it's just obstructing fans and the potential of the EFL, really. Um, Cardiff is said to be investigating after striker Connor Wickham was caught on video appearing to inhale laughing gas after the club's defeat in the South Wales derby last weekend. He posted on Instagram saying, I'm obviously aware of a video circulating on social media. I know my responsibility as a professional playing for Cardiff City is a huge privilege. I've been so welcomed by you all and I was always give 100%. To lose the game the way we did yesterday hurt more than ever, even though you will feel it doesn't seem that way to me i hope you can all understand and i will do my best to help my team and this club to achieve the best possible outcome this season not a great look by mr wickham though justin he's 30 years old why is he why is he doing this Um, it just seems like a juvenile thing to do especially with it going on social media as well um and considering his injury record you'd be surely be very conscious of what you put in your body as well um you know body I can't remember what the saying is but as I say it's just disappointing and, and the timing of it is horrendous Cardiff supporters have a right to be angry um, I think any any Cardiff player pictured even just going out for a, for a drink after the game probably would have been slaughtered um, it's one of those situations where you just stay off social media probably don't go out let it stew and, and go again on, on Monday when you're back in training just just really immature disappointing mistake from a very experienced player Blackpool Sporting by director Chris Badlin has left the club with immediate effect. He only joined in November and the club says it will be making no further comment. I'm not sure if that's performance based or whether it's to do with something else. Either way, not a great look, is it? Birmingham have confirmed plans to introduce rail seating at St Andrews Stadium. The work will be complete in mid-September. So you've still got quite a while to wait, Birmingham fans, until your stadium is finally sorted out. But good to know we've finally got some sort of deadline, Justin, because that, that work has been going on for quite some time now, hasn't it? It's, yeah, again, it's a disappointing one, but I guess them putting a timeline in place is holding themselves to account. Not that they've been very good at that anyway uh, in the past, but I think, yeah, it's, it's it's a positive September, what, five months away. It's Yeah, it's, it's a long time, but there'll be a lot of supporters 
absolutely buzzing to be back i wonder if many supporters will flock back down to their original seats if they've moved as well if they've got too comfortable where they've where they've been that'll be interesting because that lower end's always been a difficult one to fill but yeah work's being completed um that's a positive and hopefully Birmingham start to start to move on from what has been a really strange scenario for them with the ground I'm just looking forward to actually having fans in the lower tiers again because right now it looks like how it did during COVID times when the fans weren't in the stadiums and you just had, you know, advertisement and massive flags on the lower tiers and it it just looks weird and doesn't look Mm. very good. It doesn't look like there's any fans in the stadium. So it's not a great look when you're watching Birmingham on the telly. Right now it's time for this. Did he? Yes, sir. You mind telling me why the hell you never mentioned this before? Yes, it's time for Diddy or Didn't See. This is the part of the show where we have 10 players with various connections to the championship and the club. All we've got to do is guess whether they played for that club or not. He's got to have made a senior appearance for them. We take it in turns to guess them and we keep the score as the season goes on. And this week, it's my turn to guess and Justin's turn to provide the players and clubs with the scores 120-117 to Justin, although this is my game in hand. Apologies, by the way, if you got confused with the scores last week. I listened back to the episode and realised I got them completely wrong after Justin's go last week. So the score is 120-117 to Justin. However, if you're running, you are running out of time, Justin. Um, you'll be crossing everything that I have a crap week right here because you need me to really slip up. Yeah, yeah, I do. It's it's been a stressful. I think three or four weeks. I've done a lot. Of, as I said, I've done a lot of hateful eights on my own. It's been it's been a taxing period of time for me, but I'm I actually Justin, feel I cannot emphasize this enough. No one gives a shit. Yes, Can you do. give us the they... first one, please? <laughs> if anyone's listening now, they definitely do. Um, first one is Keith Andrews and Watford. Yes, you'd be correct. Nine appearances on loan in 2014-15. He's got an interesting career. Big uh, Keith, Big Keith. Uh, Big next Keith. one, please. That's one out of yeah. one. He has a good hairline. Uh, Andy Reid and Sheffield United. Yes. Very confident. I know that one. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, Lone Spoon, 2010, nine appearances. Yeah. Don't recall him actually playing there, but I, I have a recollection based off Wikipedia, if you see what I mean, that he played there. So two out of two. Yeah, you've got the advantage here. You always you always do. Uh, the next one is Fikeo Tamori and Brighton. Correct, yes. Nine appearances on in 2017. Three out of three. That means we're level. That means we're level. If anyone's yeah. keeping up the live scores. There you go. The next one is Hatton Ben Arthur and Hull. Hatton Ben Arthur? Hang on a second, Justin. We're meant to be doing players with various connections to the championship. How many times has Hatton Ben Arthur played in the championship? Did not come down with Newcastle. That is a ridiculous shout from you. I, if I anything, if Newcastle. anything, this should be an automatic point for me. Uh, what, what was the what was the club? Sorry, Hatem Ben Arthur in Hull. Yeah, I think he did. Are you sure about that one? I think he did. Yeah, I can disregard it if you think it's not allowed. I can find something. Else. <laughs> we just pause for a moment. <laughs> You'd be no, I, I think he did. Yeah, but that is a scandalous shout from you. I thought he came down with Newcastle. I mean, I was on his Wikipedia. I probably should have double checked, but I just saw. An obscure team. I was like, okay. No. Disgusting. Disgusting behaviour. Very unprofessional. But four out of four. Uh, the next one is Anthony Pilkington and Preston. Pilks and Preston? The old Ooh. Pilks. No, I don't think he did. He played for... 
Cardiff Wigan. I don't see when he would have played for Preston, so I'm going to say no. Where was he at before Cardiff and Wigan? Huddersfield. Before that? Don't know. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're right. Yeah, I made that one up. There we go. Five out of five. This is going very well. Ben Amos and Millwall. I do not know Ben Amos's career at all. I mean, he, he was at Man U, wasn't he? I think. So he must have had a few loan spells in there. So I'll, I'll say yeah, but I honestly have no clue. 12 appearances in 2018. <laughs> not a clue. Six out of six. Six out of six. Doing very well. Next one is Gary Taylor, Fletcher and Scunthorpe. Um, I did see Gary Taylor Fletcher pop up on my Twitter timeline the other day and I think it was a kind of on this day Twitter video from one of the random football clubs I, in fact I think it was Hull and I was amazed to see that he played for Hull unless I'm getting that mixed up either way um, I don't really know who Gary Taylor Fletcher has played for I know he played for Blackpool but Scumthorpe I'm going to say no. I reckon you've thrown that bugger in there. <laughs> You'd be right. <laughs> Scunthorpe are just too random a club. They're not actually, because Gary Taylor Fletcher's, and I was hoping that you know a little bit more about his career, because his, his career, he played for Lincoln. And, he was a good uh, player. A couple of other teams. Very good player. Very, very good player. Seven good out of seven. Seven out of seven. Yeah, form does exist in this game, by the way. <laughs> it does exist. Like you had a you had a stinker like in January, didn't you? You had a bad January. Maybe, maybe in you. terms of mindset when you head into it, but I'm just yeah. full of confidence right now. Yeah, you are. You are. It's ridiculous. Next one is Adam Matthews from Bristol City. Who's Adam Matthews? The fullback. The, 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 the fullback who bloody hell. Did he play He's for Celtic and Charlton? That that one. The what, sorry? He played for Celtic and Charlton. Is that Adam Matthews? Sunderland that, as well, did he? Yeah, that Adam Matthews. Bloody hell. <laughs> I honestly don't know anything about Adam Matthews. What was the club? <laughs> Bristol City. <clears throat> uh, sure, why not? That's this is bollocks. Yeah, he had a loan spell in 2016, 2017, 21 appearances. That's complete nonsense. <laughs> I mean, as far as obscure championship players go, Adam Matthews may be the most obscure we've had involved this season. Actually, maybe Hatton Ben Arthur, considering he hasn't played in the championship. Well, you've got to do what you've got to do to win, haven't you? I will point out, though, eight out of eight. Could there be another 10 out of 10? Ladies and gentlemen, you may be witnessing history for the second time this season. That's incredible. Next one is Nathan Tyson and Swansea. Thank you for filling in the silence there just amid that cough. Um, Got to be done. Got to be done. Sh- no. I, I. If he did, this is a great Diddy or Dinty shout, by the way. Um, but I don't think he did because I just cannot picture when it would have happened. But I suppose it would have happened when Swansea were in the championship prior to 2010 or whenever they got promoted. So I'm going to say... Jesus, yes, Ryan. I, I reckon you've thrown it in there. I, re- I reckon you've really done some good research and you've found an absolute corker. So I'm going to say, yes, he did play for them. He had a loan spell in 2001. <laughs> 11 appearances. 
nine out of nine, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are. If you're in the car, maybe pull over because this is this is huge. This is this is astronomically huge. What's about yeah. to happen? Could this be another ten out of ten? I think gather the kids into the lounge, get them all in, experience it together because this yes. doesn't happen very often. Savor it, savor this moment. The final one is Eric Lehigh and Leeds. Justin, you have had an absolute stinker here because I literally gave you that one two weeks ago. Did you yes, really? Yes, he did. <laughs> oh, God. Say it. Say it. 16 appearances on those stars. Yes! Come on! 10, oh, 10, 10, 10, 10. Oh, dear. Wait, uh, how, many, how many more weeks? How many more weeks have we got until... I don't think it really matters anymore, Justin. I think you've got two goes left, and that means the latest scores are 127, 120 to me. Justin Peach, that is a big mountain to overcome. You've had an absolute stinker, my boy. And where do you go from here? Where do you go as a player? It's a great point. I think um, I'll probably probably get on the phone to my mum to get some reassurance. I am... I am, you know, a good, a good. Uh, I don't know how to describe this role. Diddy or didn't you? Yeah, I'm a good Diddy or didn't you? Um, and it's just, it's just been a bad couple of weeks. As I say, there's been a bit of fatigue. I'm back on it, and hopefully, I can finish the season strong. You never know. I, I think I can already hear the supporters calling for your head. They're at, they're outside protesting right now, just wanting you to. Just get out because they've lost faith in you, Justin. They've lost confidence. There needs to be a change. We want Ben Bloom. <laughs> we want Benjamin Bloom. <laughs> <laughs> and so this has been the Second Tier Podcast. That has been Diddy or Dinty. And we'll be back again on Saturday for reaction to all the good Friday games, as we say. Loads of big games coming up over this Easter weekend. So we'll get our teeth into them on Saturday. Um, and then our next episode after that will be on Tuesday, when we react to the Easter Monday game. So no episode this Sunday, ladies and gentlemen, just to make that very clear. So Saturday, Tuesday is when we'll be recording over the Easter weekend. So we'll look forward to seeing you then. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. Hey, don't have a good Friday. Have a great Friday. We look forward to seeing you on Saturday. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. And a big, big thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.